Jacques Howard, I'm on location for the Levin Amps Trenton Summer Concert Series, and I'm with headliner PJ Rasmussen. And PJ, welcome to Trenton. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Awesome. And uh, I know that you came in from New York City, and you've got this amazing 21-piece band Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be performing here. Let's talk a little bit about your history. What stimulated you to really want to get into this uh, line of work? So, I mean, musically, what, what happened, I was... I decided to start playing guitar because my dad did. I figured it'd be a fun thing to do. But the real turn came when I saw Eric Clapton on TV. And uh, it was a it was a direct TV free view. It aired every night for a month, and I probably watched it 20 times. He was playing Madison Square Garden on the One More Car, One More Rider tour. And uh, that had Steve Gadd, legendary jazz drummer, had uh, Billy Preston on organ. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a smoking band. And that, that was what, what got me into music uh, full time, you know, as far as profession. Uh, other than that, with my folks, you know, I, I really fell in love with them. When we were in the car, they were always singing along, except when we were in trouble. So if we were in trouble, it was quiet in the car. Otherwise, we were all singing along to music. And I just saw how much fun my mom and dad were having, and it was like, why would I want to do anything else? Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. And uh, some of your early influences, um, what were your parents introducing you to? What music were you listening to? Well, as far as my dad knew, uh, the, the writings of John and Paul meant Lennon and McCartney. Um, and so he was very into the Beatles, classic rock. My mom is a classically trained flautist uh, through high school uh, and uh, decided not to go pro with it. But so she was into a lot of stuff, um, but really classic rock. And I saw Clapton, that was a big thing. Then came Led Zeppelin and Hendrix, uh, you know, really all kinds of stuff from there. And it wasn't until high school that I got into the jazz thing. And I was going to ask you about that. What, what happened that morphed um, your passion? into jazz. Well, I ended up studying with this guy named Andrew Light. He's still down in uh, South Jersey where I'm from. He was a former student at Bucky Pizzarelli's and he introduced me to jazz and uh, I flipped out and uh, I was just like, what is <laughs> I this? I want to interrupt, so let's talk about the flip, flipped out part. Yeah. What happened? Well, so I actually remember walking into a lesson one day. Uh, I was at his house, you know, private school, private teaching stuff and I walk into his house and he is playing a piece on guitar and he's playing, um, we call it like chord style, finger style. He was playing a bass line, he was playing melody, and he was playing harmony. And he's doing it all while I'm walking in. And just, I didn't know if it was jazz or what, but just as a guitarist, I was like, what is that? He's like, that's oh, jazz. I'm like, show me that. <laughs> and uh, he hit me to this guy, George Van Epps, who invented the seven string guitar back in the 30s, was a legendary jazz musician. and. Uh, he spent his entire career playing uh, chord melody style guitar. Of course, Joe Pass made it f- famous in the '80s as, as and brought it to a whole new thing. But but that's really what got me into it. Was just as a guitarist, I thought it was cool. Um, and it wasn't until I heard John Coltrane that I thought jazz as a whole was cool. At first, I thought just the finger style guitar stuff, but I couldn't understand the other stuff. I, I was you know maybe 14 or so, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but then he gave me this album. He's like, check it out. And it was Blue Train by John Coltrane. And growing up, I was into Stevie Ray Vaughan. I was into all the blues guys. And so when Blue Train came on, I was like, this is blues. And then John Coltrane started playing. And I said, this is not blues. <laughs> and it was so cool because it was blues enough that I could know what was going on. But it was jazz enough that I knew I actually had no idea what was going on. And that was the bridge. That was, I was like, this is the thing. You know. Hook, line, and sinker, oh, you yeah. were sold on it. That was it. It's, all right. So um, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I do want to talk to you a little bit about what it's like to manage uh, um, 
an outfit like this. I mean, you got 20 plus people who are professional musicians who you're playing with, you're traveling. Um, talk about the relationship that and the bonding that goes along with this. Yeah, so uh, first of all, we're very blessed. One of the things that, that we have from a very early uh, beginning was uh, we have corporate sponsors who do help us defray the costs. Um, and because of that, um, still a lot of people to pay, but we can we can pay uh, you know pretty well, especially on a big band circuit, and and so we're able to keep the same group of musicians around. A lot of big bands uh, basically are glorified reading sessions for any given gig because they can't afford to pay the guys more than like twenty bucks because that's a lot of people to pay. Um, but uh, it's the law firm of Cranjack and Tripodi. They've sponsored us from the beginning. They've helped us put put guys together. And most of the guys in this band, Charlie, the conductor, he conducted our first show four years ago. Um, other guys have been in the band. There have been some guys that have been in the band that long. Um, uh, most of the horn players have been in since three years ago. And um, it's a fun thing. You know, and I, I was actually talking about this with, a, with uh, somebody on the way down today. Um, it's a big band, and uh, everybody knows you don't go into the big band business to get rich. You know, so everybody's when anybody who comes onto the gig, they're there for, to to play the music and have a good time, and uh, it does create a special bond. Uh, when I moved to New York in 2015, we had a residency at the City Winery that year, and we played there every month for that year. And the same group of guys, and that was really what brought us together as a as a unit, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to just being a big band that played on and off. Um, and it's, it's a special group of guys. Um, I tell them it's sometimes, not all the time, because I don't want them to get you know big heads or anything. But uh, all of the players in the band uh, lead their own groups. All the players in the band do uh, recordings and other things. They are all uh, fabulous musicians, and it's been a big honor to to play with them for for this long. So it means a lot to me personally. Um, to have so many cats uh, who want to come back. Mm -hmm. you know. and in addition to that, you also have four vocalists um, that are with you as well. And I know that that's a lot, and I'm, I'm using some hand motion to talk about like how the, the fluctuation of that. So what was the idea behind getting four vocalists? And I know that it has to do a bit with the range you know, about each vocalist, but just uh, from your perspective. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a secret. It's the truth, and I won't tell anybody else. The very <laughs> first show we played... It, it was called the Boardwalk Jazz Series because I had a 17-week series on the Boardwalk in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Uh, we brought in Bucky Pizzarelli, uh, Sinatra's guitarist, Ray Charles' guitar. We brought in uh, all these legendary musicians, Rich Perry with the Vanguard Orchestra um, and uh, Scott Robinson with Maria Schneider Orchestra. We brought them in in small groups, and they would join me for the group. But as the series grew... Uh, I was like, how are we going to close this thing out? Because we keep inviting all these legendary people, and it's like, I don't know how we're going to end this. And I said, you know what we should do to end this? We should have a big band show, because nobody's seen a big band. So I pulled together a big band. I wrote a bunch of charts, and uh, they wanted us to play, whatever it was, two, two sets of, you know, an hour, so maybe two hours worth of music. And, and at the time, uh, I only had... Uh, two vocalists who I, who I had worked with enough that knew any of my songs, and uh, I said, "Well, we don't really have time for one vocalist to learn all the songs, so I'll just bring all the vocalists, and then you know we'll make it into a rotating thing." And it turns out I actually, for a third vocalist, I actually wrote a special part for her on uh, one of the tunes, so that. Uh, 
because she was from Asbury Park and had a big Asbury Park following. And the guy who was booking the show said, hey, get an Asbury Park singer in there. And I said, okay, third singer. And so by the end of that gig, there were four singers because I sang and then the three, the three ladies. Um, and it turns out two of those singers stayed with me. Uh, another one, Khadijah Muhammad, she sang on that gig, beautiful singer doing R&B stuff, so she went a different route. And so uh, we have a different singer in her role now. But, but it originally started because I didn't have enough material <laughs> that I could teach to a singer. And it wasn't until afterwards, I mean, that was the practical concern. Now, when I was talking to people about putting on the show, they said, you know, rotating singers, nobody does that. that that's kind of a unique twist because they're all different styles. And I said, you know, that's why I planned it like that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, because all the and all the different singers, they do have different styles. And the reason I had taught a couple of my tunes to the different singers was because I wanted to use their different voices. Yeah. So, I mean, that was there subconsciously. But at the first gig, no, it was do or die. It was like, I need two hours of music. Let's, let's just call all the singers, you know. We'll make room for them, basically. And it wasn't until later. Uh, the drummer on a gig today, John, he hit me to this DVD of Ray Charles' big band live in Brazil. And they have, the Ray Letts were four singers uh, with Ray. And I was like, let's just do that. We'll keep it. We'll keep it. It's going to be great. It's like, if Ray can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Well, my motto, my goal that I would like to be able to get to someday is sing like Ray, play like Herbie. And then write like uh, Willie Nelson meets Maria Schneider. That's oh, that's where I want to go. And I'll let you know if uh, if I get there sometime in this lifetime. Hopefully, we'll you know we'll reconnect. Well, I'll tell you what, PJ Rasmussen, that was perfect. I appreciate your time. I'm looking forward to your performance at the Levitt Am Trenton Summer Concert Series. Thank you. Cool.